So picture this, Jesus. Yeah, that one. Jesus, Jesus the Christ. Well, listen, he spent the last three years of his life performing miracles and teaching these super profound messages everywhere he went. And who is it that he has with him? He's got his posse. He's got his people. What we know as the 12 disciples, they are with him like real deep. And he's talked countless times about his departure, but this time it's different. It's uh, more consistent. And it looks like really that his demise and death are indeed imminent. And in the midst of all this chaos, he tells his disciples that he has something for them. And of all the things that he could have for them, he says that he has a gift. And he says that that gift is peace. Let's look at what scripture says. In John chapter 14 and 27, it says that Jesus specifically says this. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. He says, don't yield or fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. I'm your host, Brittany Lynn. And over the next few weeks, we're going to dissect this moment between Jesus and the disciples and discover what it means when Jesus, number one, chose to give his disciples a gift. And number two, why the present was peace. Giving is no new thing, but it is in fact super important. In fact, it is a primary way um, in which we give and receive love. And as one of the five love languages, we cannot skip over this uh, moment in Jesus's life, nor in the life of the disciples of Christ. Perhaps you might be familiar with love languages and maybe you're not. So let's just take a minute to look at this phenomenon and where it came from. In 1992, Gary Chapman, a pastor, therapist, and author, released his very first book, The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. In it, he theorized that there are five primary love languages. They are words of affirmation, touch, acts of service, quality time, and receiving and or giving gifts. This one book has spun into a series of other books and has more importantly, sparked thousands of conversations about how we give and receive love. The general theory of the five love languages is that every person has a primary way in which they give and receive love, and they don't even have to be the same. And while most of us are drawn to one or two of these five languages, they are all super significant to the human experience. When testing 100,000 people, Chapman found that the most popular love language was words of affirmation, and that actually giving and receiving gifts was the least popular. It was by a super small margin. And while this test of the 100,000 people doesn't necessarily indicate the most popular and least popular love languages, it has been theorized that giving and receiving gifts has really gotten a bad rap. Most people think that receiving gifts or admitting that receiving gifts as their primary love language indicates shallowness. It might indicate vanity 
or exorbitance when that's actually not quite true. Chapman explained that for the person whose love language is receiving gifts, it's really not about the price tag that's important to this person. It's the thought, it's the care or the effort that went into choosing or executing the gift. See, the right present makes this person feel seen, understood, and appreciated. There's an article from the HuffPost in which Nicole Saunders, a South, um, a Charlotte, North Carolina therapist and supporter of the love, the five love languages said to give a gift with meaning and thought behind it requires attention and empathy, which ultimately strengthens, um, the connection. It being the gift then becomes a symbol of the sentiment, increasing its value. So guys, let me ask you this. What do you recall being one of the best gifts you've ever received? And I'd like for you to think about it and then ask the question, why? Was it more than just the actual gift? What did it mean to you? I'd love to actually hear some of your stories. So why don't you shoot me an email at Brittany at AdPeaceLife.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram at AdPeaceCollective. Wait, pause, pause. Hold up for a second. Before we get back into the podcast, are you subscribed to our YouTube channel or have you subscribed to the podcast on your preferred listening platform, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever's your jam, we're there. Make sure you go and subscribe to the At Peace podcast. You can find us on your preferred podcast platform at At Peace Podcast. If you want to check us out on YouTube, it's Brittany Lynn TV. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-L-Y-N-T-V. Um, check us out there and make sure you're following us on socials. Check us out at at Peace Collective, whether that's Facebook or Instagram. We've got um, some new stuff that's going to be coming up. And between you and I, there's some merch that's going to be dropping really soon. And it's super cute. Like, do you see this? Do you see this? Like, you know, we're going to wear our peace. We are going to be at peace collectively. So Make sure before we get back into this episode that you have subscribed to the YouTube channel, that you have subscribed on your preferred platform, um, podcast platform, if you like to listen while you drive or work out or whatever, and that you're following us on socials. We can all use a little more peace in our lives. So make sure you join us. Okay, now let's get back into the episode. So there has to be something to gift giving. I'd like for you to consider this. In our culture, whether it's a national holiday, a special anniversary, or birthday, it is customary to give the honoree something special, something treasured, something to commemorate the moment. Before we took our break, I asked you to think about your favorite gift and what it meant to you. Um, While I was doing some research for this episode, I decided to ask a couple of my friends the same question and see what they had to say. One of them, my friend Justin, had a particularly cute story, and I'd like to share it with you right now. So, little kid Justin was totally a nerd. Um, Thick glasses, asthma, reading three books a day. But my mom changed my life when she brought a computer the first week of school my seventh grade year. It was an investment in my future, but also it 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 changed my life. It introduced me to graphic design. And this gift also opened my eyes to the fact that the world was so much bigger than Memphis, Tennessee. 
Um, it reminded me that there's possibility in places that I never could have imagined. I am so thankful for this gift and so thankful for my mom for just the beauty that she created in my life through this gift. In listening to their stories, one of the common threads was that the gift was their favorite or best because of their relationship to the person who gave them the gift in the first place. See, when that gift is coming from a close friend or relative who has spent time with you and who has listened to what might seem like a frivolous desire or a random random need or want, and then you receive it, well, it shows intimacy. And not just that, but it shows that vulnerability can be rewarded. You see, when I share a deep desire with you, something that I might not show or wear on my sleeve, and you give it to me, it shows that I can be open and I can trust you and that you'll reward me for it. Personally, I've always prided myself on being an excellent gift giver, if I do say so myself. There's just... Something about surprising someone with a present that they casually mention wanting or coming across a gift that screams the name of the person I care about that just gets me super excited. I remember last year, one of my dearest friends had a birthday. Um, we, She and I talk almost every day and I heard her mention that she was almost out of one of her favorite perfumes. Now, for her to have a favorite perfume says something because she has a lot of perfume. So I instantly knew that's exactly what I wanted to get her to celebrate her most recent trip around the sun. And since she had mentioned running low a while before her birthday, timing was everything. I had to be a little cunning. And so I reached out to her son to make sure that I had the right perfume, like make sure I get a picture of the bottle. Let me make sure I read the name right. And then while on the phone with her often, I would casually bring up perfumes and fragrances just to make sure she had not picked up a new bottle. Once I was certain I can get it before she did, I ordered it and had it shipped directly to her. And she loved it. Well, actually, let me let you hear her response for yourself. Brittany, this is all I had left from my from my perfumes. Look, look. This is all. Can you see the little? This was my travel sizes, all that was left. And when I went, they didn't have any. The Kate Spade, she was like, they're not on sale, but I don't have any more sparkle. I have the regular one. <laughs> I need the sparkle. Little did I know, there was a sparkle on the way. And I never had this. Never had this. Never ever had this because I've never had a set because I've only bought it at the Kate Spade store. And the Kate Spade store does not have a set. She's here. Ah! She's here. Ah! Yes, God. Yeah. Thank you, Brittany. Yes. Because <laughs> that's all Mama had left. And now look at it. Ah! Look at it. You see, gifts are never just about the item. It's about all the effort and thought that was put into it. So when Jesus tells the disciples in John 14 and 27 that he was giving them a gift, he was saying, I've spent time with you. I know your deepest desires and I'm choosing to respond to them by giving you what you have expressed wanting or what I know you need. He's saying, I see you. He's saying, I hear you. And I'm responding with more than just words, but I'm going to give you whatever it is in your life that you are lacking. 
So in all honesty, we can't do this moment in the life of Jesus and the disciples justice without considering their relationship a little bit. The relationship between Jesus and his disciples is one that beautifully illustrates the challenging nature between the divine and humanity. See, you have disciples like Peter who were nuck if you buck all the time. He was ready to fight. He was ready to roll. And then you had others like Judas who was dipping into the donations for his own personal benefit. And in all of this, Jesus loved each one of them fiercely. We'll talk about the events surrounding this moment in a later episode, but we can't skip over to that this gift of peace Uh, We can't skip over to this gift of peace without acknowledging what we're in the midst of. See, Jesus is preparing the disciples for what would be his death and resurrection. And of course, Jesus had been talking about this a lot during his three years of ministry. But at this point, the writing is on the wall. Chaos is starting to ensue. Jesus is talking about his eventual death even more. Not to mention, he is openly acknowledging how two of the disciples would contribute to his death. So I think it's safe to say that the disciples are beginning to freak out a little bit. Now, the interesting thing about this is the way Jesus chooses to love on them at this time. Like we mentioned earlier, there are five main love languages. Again, there are words of affirmation, touch, acts of service, quality time, and giving gifts. The truth is that Jesus does all five of these with the disciples. However, of all the languages, giving a gift at this time is a little odd. It's a little strange. Look, let's be honest. We're accustomed to gifts being given to celebrate a momentous or joyous occasion or to celebrate a big accomplishment. But we don't really expect gifts during times of panic, anxiety, and so forth. Think about it like this. We are used to receiving a hug or warm embraces during times of anxiety. That's touch, right? We can get with someone offering to take the load off by performing a task or running an errand for us. That's acts of service. Or maybe just having someone to sit with us and encouraging us that things will get better. In both of those instances, we see quality of time and words of affirmation. But again, Jesus decides to give a gift and he gives the gift of peace. I think that this is significant because what we see is there is no boundaries to his love for the disciples. He loves well. He loves holy. He loves so much that he shows excess of his love without receiving anything close to what he's giving. There's that beautiful and mind-blowing dynamic between the divine and humanity, between God and his children. We have to sit in that for a moment. See, when the disciples had not done anything to deserve it, Jesus gives. And even though receiving gifts is not my primary love language, when I've received a gift for no reason at all, I feel the most loved. You see, receiving a gift without a particular accomplishment tied to it shows the recipient that the love the giver has for them is not attached to what they do or who they are. It says, I love you for you, nothing else, no strings attached. And what Jesus is telling the disciples and even us today is, I'm giving you the gift of peace for no other reason than I love you. 
This is not transactional. I am not expecting anything in return. I'm just showing you that I love you. And then there is the gift itself. The main, the main character in this podcast, there's peace. So let's talk about what peace is. Obviously, by the name of this podcast, the topic of peace is going to be a common thread here. We'll talk about it often because honestly, there's just so much to say about it. But let's start with um, truly defining what it is. One of the earliest appearances of peace in scripture happens in Exodus chapter 14. It's probably one of the most popular scriptures about peace, and it's happening right before the children of Israel are um, getting ready to cross the Red Sea. They are escaping Egypt. They're escaping slavery. And again, we see people panicking because what are we going to do? The Egyptian soldier, soldiers are coming after them and there is a huge sea in the, in the way. Right before the miracle of the Red Sea crossing, Moses looks at the people and this is what he says to them. He says, the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Or in King James, it says, and ye shall hold your peace. So Moses tells them to hold their peace. Let's look at this um, scripture in a few different translations. In the Message Bible, it says, God will fight the battle for you and you, you keep your mouth shut. (laughs) In this particular translation, it speaks of peace in your tongue. It talks about being quiet, um, keeping your mouth shut. And we can say that this illustrates a physical demonstration of peace. In the Amplified Translation, that same scripture reads, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. Now rest, well, rest is essential for our bodies, but even more so for our brains. According to the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, sleep is an important part of our daily routine. Uh, We spend about one third of our lives sleeping and quality sleep um, is super important. It is as essential to our survival as food and water. Without sleep, we can't form or maintain the pathways in our brain that let us learn and create new memories and it's harder to concentrate and respond quickly. Sleep is important to a number of brain functions, including how our nerve cells or neurons communicate with each other. And in fact, our brains and bodies stay remarkably active while we sleep. Recent findings suggest that sleep plays a housekeeping role that removes toxins in our brains that we build up while we are awake. So to be at rest is something that's super important. Sleep affects almost every type of tissue and system in the body, from the brain to the heart, to the lungs, to our metabolism, to our immune function, to our mood and disease resistance. Research shows that a chronic lack of sleep or getting poor quality sleep increases the risk of of disorders, including high blood pressure, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, depression, and obesity. Now, in the New Living Translation, that same scripture says, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. 
While in modern life, having someone tell you to stay calm rarely helps anyone to stay calm, we have to look at when we are told that. Most often we are encouraged to stay calm when we are emotionally anxious or frustrated or distraught. And it would make sense in this instance in Exodus that people would be this way because well, again, escaping slavery. Don't know how we're going to cross the Red Sea. Egyptian soldiers are on our are on our tail. So yeah, if they were freaking out, it would make perfect sense. I bring this up because we can conclude from this one scripture that there are several ways that peace manifests. But more importantly, I want us to notice that if we are going to talk about peace, real peace, like real Jesus peace, we cannot just say that we are at peace with one of these manifestations. To be at peace means that we have all of them. You see, I can be quiet and not saying anything, but have chaos going on in my mind. I can be sleep or on a vacation, but not really resting. I can have a cool as a cucumber demeanor, but dealing with inner turmoil. Too often we settle for one of these and God tells us that peace is not partial, it's whole. And even when we look in the dictionary, we see more than what we typically expect. It says a couple of things about peace. It says, Peace is freedom from disturbance, state of being uh, tranquil. It's a state of mutual concord between governments. It means harmony. Um, It means pacification, a treaty to cease hostilities. And going back to the Bible, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, which translates to wholeness. Nothing broken, nothing missing. Um, It speaks of the condition of inner stability. It means that his peace is operating in us. Similarly, the Greek word for peace, Irene, um, means a state of national tranquility. It means exemption from the rage and havoc of war. Peace between individuals, again, harmony, concord, security, safety, prosperity, felicity, because peace and harmony make and keep things safe and prosperous. So when we say that we are at peace, we are making a wildly radical statement. We're not just saying that we are calm. We're saying we are whole. We're saying despite pressure, despite turmoil, our feet are firmly planted and we are not moved because we have inner stability. We're saying that whatever is needed to settle the issue, Jesus has already paid for it. Where there was once a deficit or where there was a debt, we have enough to pay the bill. There is no disagreement. The contract has been fulfilled. So one more time, let's look at John chapter 14 and verse 27. But this time we're going to look at it in the Amplified Translation. It says, peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. 
When Jesus says that he is leaving peace, not only do we realize that he is saying that he is leaving this powerful gift by way of the definition of what peace is, but we also have to celebrate that he is the only one qualified and selfless enough to give it. The peace we crave, we have access to because Jesus paid the high price for it. Notice that Jesus didn't say, I wish you peace. Notice he didn't just say, I hope you have peace. He said, I give you peace. He was telling them and he's telling us today that his peace um, was a blood bought peace and will bring peace to any and every area of our lives that we needed. All those things that we are that are needed in order to bring harmony and pacification have been done. Jesus was telling them, I will literally cause peace between heaven and earth. I'll make heaven accessible on earth. So y'all, what is peace? Peace is wholeness, complete satisfaction. It's harmony and healing where everything is working as it should and working together. Peace is when there is no more war, not only between men, but even within ourselves. My favorite way of defining peace is, peace is the lack of lack. It is literally the best gifts the disciples could have been given. And what makes it better is that it was given to us too. So join me next week as we talk about the giver, Jesus himself, and what qualified him to give it to us. And then... Who exactly did he want us to have have peace with? Until then, be whole, be well, be at peace.